more than 1,600 years ago, a Buddhist monk called Lei Tsun came to Western China across the Gobi Desert. He was travel-worn and weary. While he was taking a rest at about sunset, a miracle appeared in the setting sun. He had a vision of golden lights coming from the mountain in front of him, revealing a thousand Buddhas bathed in a golden glow. Convinced that he had found a holy place, the monk fell to his knees and began to pray. Later, he decided to dig a shrine out of the sandstone cliff and dedicated it to the Buddha. From this starting point in AD 366, for centuries devotees would dig caves and decorate them with enormous Buddhas. The caves have been called the Thousand Buddha Caves. This amazing place is the Dunhuang Mogao Caves. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Why We Love Dunhuang podcast. If you followed our previous episodes, you would be very familiar with this story of how cave building in Dunhuang started. As the world's largest Buddhist art gallery, Dunhuang's architecture, murals, statues and documents help us to learn about the history of China and Central Asia, about trade on the Silk Road, about war, peace, cultural convergence and about the real lives of ancient people. Having brought you a broad picture of Dunhuang in our previous episodes, we are now going to study the caves in detail. By the way, if you love this podcast, do please remember to give it a five-star rating, leave a comment, or share it with your friends. Altogether, there are more than 800 caves in the Dunhuang region. Of course, we can't cover them all one by one, but in this podcast we will focus on the oldest, the best, the biggest, the highest, the rarest, the most beautiful, and perhaps the most mysterious, as we continue the stories of Dunhuang. Most of the caves we're going to visit belong to the Magao Cave Complex, which has 735 caves in total. We will examine the caves in the historical order of their construction. Each cave has an identification number. The numbers used by the researchers are based on physical locations within the site. It has no reference to their place in the historical sequence. Now fasten your seatbelt and hold your breath. Let's travel back in time to when the first cave was built in Dunhuang. You may not be very familiar with China's turbulent 5,000-year-long history. You would certainly not be alone. But you have probably seen the Walt Disney feature animation Mulan, or the latest action drama movie of the same name. A Chinese girl hid her identity and served in the army for 12 long years in place of her father. The story was set around the 4th to 6th century and it proved that China was in a period of political chaos and civil wars. However, the turbulent era was also a time of flourishing arts and culture. At almost the same time, Buddhism sprang up in Dunhuang. We've already mentioned the story of how monk Lei Tsung built the first cave in Dunhuang. 
No one knew exactly what happened after the Magao Cave's humble start in 366 or how Magao was developed into the thousand Buddha caves we see today. What we do know is that during the 4th to 6th century period of turmoil in China, the Magao Caves experienced its first boom. Many larger caves were built. Maybe Buddhism was gaining momentum in its spread throughout China, or maybe more people were seeking refuge and protection from the cruel realities of the time in Buddhism's ideology. Cave 275 is the first cave we're going to explore. It was built during that turbulent time, the Northern Liang era in Chinese history, from 421 to 439. It is one of the earliest caves still in existence in Mugao and has survived for nearly 1,600 years. It belongs to the category of hall caves and there is no other cave in Dunhuang that has a space structure similar to this one. Although the cave is tiny, it has a relatively large statue of Bodhisattva in front of its main wall. This main statue of Cave 275 is 3.4 meters tall, the largest of its kind built in the early period of Dunhuang. Follow me now to have a close look at this artistic work. The Bodhisattva, sitting with legs crossed, has a robust physique and wears a crown with a small Buddha image in the middle. The handsome face has very long ear loops, a straight nose, contoured lips and lightly protruding eyes, which look down compassionately on the visitors. The expression on his rotund face speaks of serenity and solemnity. His curly hair falls over the shoulders his left hand shows a Buddhist hand gesture, known for granting a wish or bestowing blessings to the believer. The gesture is performed with the palm facing outwards and the fingers pointing downwards. He dresses in an exotic style, bearing the upper body, with the lower body wrapped in a skirt clinging closely to his legs. He has bracelets around his arms and ornaments over his chest. His sitting pose and the decoration, as well as the folds of the clothes and the triangular brocade pattern backrest, all suggest a strong influence from Central Asia, from where it is believed Buddhism entered China. Many scholars identify the statue as Maitreya, the future Buddha. Worship of the future Buddha in China reached its zenith between the 5th and 6th centuries AD, especially in the north. The cross-ankled sitting pose is one of the most often to be found among his statues of the time. This pose can be traced back to Afghanistan, which also indicates a strong influence of Buddhist art style from Central Asia in the early period of Dunhuang's cave constructions. Flanking the future Buddha is a pair of funny-looking beasts. They look like dogs, but are actually lions, suggesting the future Buddha is seated on a lion throne. But wait a moment. At that time, in the early part of the 5th century AD, there were no lions to be found in China. So how come the lion sculptures? Well, we have to admit, artists have great imagination. The artists working at the time were mostly from central China and had never seen a real lion. 
it is assumed that those artists worked according to descriptions supplied by others and added their own imagination in executing the artwork. As a result, and not surprisingly, the beasts do not appear convincing at all. The pair do not have the mighty power of a lion, but more the cuteness of a pet dog. Whatever they ended up looking like, the lions were not major characters, but were there to guard the Buddha. Having met the cute lions of Cave 275, let's move on and take a look at the walls in the north and south of the cave, where you can find both Chinese and Indian styles of architecture. On the upper part of the walls are three niches. Two niches are in the form of traditional Chinese building style. It has a gateway with a central tile roof flanked by towers. Inside the niche is seated a bodhisattva with crossed ankles. This innovative niche design looks like towers and has a history of more than 2,000 years. Originally it referred to the ceremonial watchtowers flanking the palace entrance. Later on it became a symbol of supreme sovereignty and the structure was widely used to form ceremonial gateways to royal tombs, palaces and temples in ancient China. However, due to ageing and damage, few original examples exist in China now. Besides the Chinese-style niches, there are also niches decorated in Indian style on both the south and north walls of Cave 275. It is called a double tree canopy niche, a kind of niche design emulating the trees. The spreading branches of two trees form the side columns and meet at the top of the niche to form the lintel. Inside the niche is a bodhisattva in a pensive pose. Cave 275 along with Cave 268 and Cave 272 are regarded as some of the earliest existing caves in Dunhuang. There is no concrete evidence on the exact time of when these caves were built, but judging from the architectural form and the contents of the murals, scholars do believe the construction work can be traced back to about 1,600 years ago. Maybe the first cave built by monk Leitsun was also among them. The three caves, especially Cave 275, provide precious historical and artistic values. The sculptures of Cave 275 appear to have a strong Central Asian influence. But there are more to see. Let's take a break now and continue later to explore this oldest cave in Dunhuang, the world's largest Buddhist art gallery. Special thanks go out to the Dunhuang Academy and Sanliang Zhongdu for contributing to the content of this podcast. If you like the show, do give us a five-star rating or a review. I'm Graham Stevens. See you on the next episode of Why We Love Dunhuang. <laughs>